0: Um, people immediately, there's a body language that goes up. They're like, I can't draw or paint. So then when I say, well, what do you do? do?" And they're like, well, I'm in business. Like, oh my God, do you realize how creative you are? Your imagination, you've created something in sales. Like you create these interactions. You create, you, if you're doing it right, you can read people and understand like body language and when to pause and how to engage with people. And these are all interpersonal skills. So with all of that, this is all a creativity because you're taking something that didn't didn't exist and you're forming something.
1: Welcome to Power To Speak, the podcast. I'm Jackie Goddard and I work with entrepreneurs, leaders and speakers to make them excited about sharing their thoughts and ideas with an audience. With this podcast, I have the privilege of speaking with successful creatives, business owners and thought leaders about the importance of creativity for work and life, and I get to hear about their unique journeys too. I've been inspired, educated and enthused by every person I've interviewed, and today's guest is no exception. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to Power to Speak the Podcast. And my guest today is Creativity Doula Hollis Citron. I mean, I just love that Hollis. Creativity Doula. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Jackie. So excited to be here. Can't wait to see where this conversation goes.
1: Yeah, we've just had a very quick conversation about uh, the weather in Jersey, which is, you know, a very British thing to do. Uh, So, yeah, you're all the way over the other side of the Atlantic and I'm here in the U.K., so tell us a little bit, Hollis, about, I mean, you're, you've got Hollis Citron, I Am Creative, and this is how we connected, because, you know, we are kindred spirits, I think, in our creativity, and mm-hmm. there's lots of parallels, as, as we've sort of been discussing, in what we both love to do, and how we like to help people, actually, yeah. using that creativity. So tell me a little bit about The Creativity Doula.
0: So first, I want to acknowledge, so everybody, if it looks like I'm looking in a weird way, I know I'm supposed to look at the green dot, but I like looking at my person. So I'm looking at Jackie. So (laughs) if it doesn't look like I'm looking at you, I apologize. I am, but I'm looking at Jackie to have this conversation. So Creativity Doula, thank you for that. So a client actually gave me that name. And as I was helping her with a book, she said, Hollis, you're going to be my doula and we're birthing this baby. And at first I was very like literal. I'm like, hmm, well, we had a doula with our son. And then I was like, oh. So then when I mentioned it to some other people, they said, well, you're a book doula. I said, no, I'm a creativity doula. I help guide people to birth their stories. And that that was just like, you know, that when you get it, when you get that feeling in your stomach and you're like, yes, that's it.
1: Wow, I mean it's it just as you say, it just explains beautifully what it is that you do and I love that 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 birth in the story feeling of it, birthing people's creativity as well. So where do you see yourself because you you come from a teaching background you've been a, an art teacher for sort of 30 years before you are now doing what you're doing. So where where is the is the first love or is it art? is it writing? is it publishing? is it all of the above? Thank you. It's really all of the above.
0: And it's interesting how it all melds together, right? It's like we have all of these experiences that kind of guide and lead us to a point. And I honestly had never seen myself. I never knew I was going to have a publishing house. I didn't know that this was going to be a step in my journey. And as it has become that, it feels so natural. So this is a space where I get to combine all of my, all of my loves really, because in the multi-author space, in the solo space, it's giving people safe spaces to feel expressive. And that's what it is. That's what it always has been in the art room to me. When I started teaching at 19, it's any space that I create that anybody really creates it. And when people feel safe and vulnerable enough to share is when they feel that they have this, this, again, the word safe space created for them to be able to have permission to make mistakes and do something that maybe they weren't given the title, the label of, of being an artist, of being a writer, of being a public speaker. It gives people the opportunity to step into it to mess up to, but that's the whole thing, but to mess up, to do well, to realize, oh my God, I didn't realize I was so good at that. It's, that's the whole birthing process, right? It's those ebbs and flows. And then like literally when in the actual birthing process, let's say of a, of a baby, there gets to be a point where maybe not everybody experiences it, but often when it's the hardest and the most painful, you want to give up. You're just like, "I, I just, I can't do it anymore. I'm just so tired. I can't do it anymore. And I kind of correlate that too to also being in a book, to also in any creative process, we often, just as we're about to get to that point of it, like coming to fruition, we're like, oh my God, I'm just tired. And I don't know. Can you relate to that? I can relate to that. I remember. that (laughs) Yeah,
1: I remember in the literal sense as well as the creative sense. So, yeah, I I can I can see that from both sides. Um, And I just I, I just love the analogy completely because we both I mean, it's exactly what I do within the spaces that I hold. For people, which was around acting, is now around public speaking and, and keynote speaking, and just kind of from from that kind of conception of that that idea of when, when that idea is uh, sort of that spark ignites, and then suddenly from there something builds and something grows, and that exactly that is exactly what I do is just give people permission to run with it to really. Get behind what that idea is, and just trust your own creativity. And a, a lot of what I do, as you've said, is, is giving people permission. Because when we get into adulthood, and I'm sure you find this as well, when we get into adulthood, we kind of think we're not allowed to play anymore, and that we should leave all that behind. And it's not to do, you know, it's not an adult activity. It's it's uh, it's something that that we we should. Avoid at all costs because it's not professional. It's not normal for an adult. And actually, when you give people permission to play and be creative, then it's, I mean, it's just apart from anything else, it's so good for well-being, for, you know, for for people's stress levels to just give them. But it is, it does come down to permission. And I can see that penny drop for people sometimes in in the spaces that that I'm in. Once you give them that safe space, that supportive environment, say to them yeah it's okay go for it then actually you know you can kind of see the the release the relief of uh, of just having that permission to be themselves
0: i love all of that all it's yes exactly we're on the same page and it's making me i want to share a quick story about when i was in the classroom um this was a school that i was i would see the kids maybe like every two weeks so obviously very intermittent and this was an eighth grade class one particular girl in the class it was there was a lot of behavior issues so anyway we were creating this project where they were they were creating like a a product so they came up with the conception of the product and then they also they named it they did a little um uh, um, my words today they did a prototype of it and all this so one she happened to be there this one week and she's like Miss Citron before class. I just I don't know what to do. So in short, I explained, I said, kind of maybe try this approach. But I said, you know, when you in your stomach get that butterfly feeling that you're excited about something or something feels right, that's when it's right. And she was like, OK. And this girl was a, I never knew behavior wise where she was going with stuff. It could go in any direction. So anyway, I went up to the front of the class. I did like a quick intro to be able to tell everybody, just remind what we were doing. And all of a sudden she sat up straight and then it was just like I could see. So we had eye contact and I looked at her and I said, you have it? And she went, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yes, like those are literally it's a visceral feeling when people are connected and give themselves permission to kind of get past that cloudiness, because exactly what you said, I couldn't agree more that as adults, you know, we get stuck in this whole adulting process Mm. of, well, that's not professional Hollis. You know, I have a mortgage to pay. What are you saying? I'm going to go and do finger painting or I'm going to go on that walk that I enjoy doing, but do you think I have time to do that? And that's when it's all the times of yes. You can take five minutes to do that thing, because when you take that five minutes, just like this girl, there's when she actually tapped in, then it like it it came to her. Yeah. And that's exactly and it doesn't have to be these major epiphanies when you're going on your walk or doing whatever you're doing. It's just you're more
1: connected to self. You're more
0: connected to others when you do things that you enjoy and you don't have to be perfect at it.
1: No, and it, and it, somehow it gives our brains uh, just time to to relax and not not have all of that other stuff going on. Because when you're when you're playing, it's just so uh, so freeing. There's a, a guy. I don't know if I've have we've had this conversation before about this. Uh, Dr. Charles Lim. He did a fabulous TED talk uh, about some uh, some experiments that he did on uh, improvising and creativity. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and he worked with uh, jazz musicians and hip-hop artists and he got them he put them in an MRI scanner to scan their brains he got them to play a learned piece either if they were a jazz pianist or whether if they were hip-hop they got them to rap a learned piece and then he did it again and this time he said just make it up improvise so the jazz Pianist was on his keyboard improvising, the the rapper just was rapping. And what they found, it was a very small study, but uh, uh, amazing, what they found was that the brain, the part, and it's the frontal, the prefrontal cortex, I'm going to get it wrong.
0: Prefrontal cortex?
1: Yeah, yeah. That part of the brain that deals with um, our inner critic Really, all of those sort of little um, negative voices we get—it temporarily shut that part of the brain down when you were improvising. So we are able when we're in those moments of playfulness and improvising and just making it up as we go along, that we actually can shut down that part of our brain that tells mm-hmm. us we shouldn't be doing that, and we—you know—there's more important things we should be doing, or we're not good enough, or we're not creative. Is that you know? And this is what I say to people all the time: is just do it just you know yes and just say yes and and just go with it and it's yeah the whole kind of creative process comes out of those out of those moments
0: because it's like flow right it, yeah. it's just it's as people may hear that terminology it's being in the flow and because you're not overthinking you're not you're not in this head space you're in your heart space so it's and maybe it's just you're just you're just allowing. And that's, it's kind of like, that's where the mistakes that's so often where we jump. I mean, any inventor, anybody who's invented anything you had, I mean, you know, with the light bulb, what like 5,000, 10,000 times that it, and then, and then it, it worked and then it came through, but it's kind of like just allowing to come through and then kind of go from there. It's when we actually, it's a beautiful process
1: Yeah, and we don't fight it. Yeah absolutely and I lo- I know that feeling in the pit of your stomach that kind of I I can remember getting that when I was actually acting if I got into that part if I was being rather than playing I could I could feel that in my stomach I just knew that I'd got it Um, and that's, you know, that's a feeling, that's a feeling now that I say to people, when you feel that, that, you know, before you go on stage, before you step on stage to do a talk or or give a presentation, you'll have those feelings, don't think of it as nerves, it is excitement, it's the same feeling, you know, and it's just that kind of mindset of just get out there and enjoy it, you know, and and when as adults, people, we are, I am still too, we're frightened of making mistakes, nobody likes to be proved wrong, or nobody likes to be make make a fool of themselves. But actually, it's in those moments, as long as we take them as a learning process, then then we move on, you know, and we move up. We don't. You know, there's it, there's other other places to go from that learning. So it's funny it's as
0: you said that I don't know. It, it's kind of like that whole thing with adulthood and this whole mistake thing. It kind of it takes me back to almost like childhood. You know, people making fun of you. And you get that feeling of nobody likes that feeling of like, oh, you made a mistake or, or, you know, whatever that is. But when you, I found that as an adult, as I stumble, and when I laugh, I'm just like, no big deal. It really is. I'm really truly learning. This is all a process, That it really does all start from within. Yeah, it all starts from me. People could be doing whatever they are around me. It's that whole react, respond. It's, it's i literally get to choose yeah and that's empowering
1: yeah absolutely i don't know if it was it was something of yours that i was reading about happiness being a choice which is certainly something that i've been telling people for years you know mm. happiness is a choice anything anything that we choose to do Anything we do with our lives is our choice. You know, nobody else is responsible for what we do or responsible for us being a certain way. Yeah. You know, we we make those choices, and happiness is is the same as that. You know, I I have exercises in my acting classes where it's like, well, if choose, are you going to be a high status character? Are you going to walk around as if you're confident, or are you going to walk around as if you're as if you're not, as if you're you know downtrodden and have no self esteem? You know, that's a choice. You have that choice every day of your life and it's the same with creativity and it I know it's that that thing of of people saying oh I'm not creative um it's it's a choice that's all it's your choice and whatever your creativity is and I'd love to hear your definition of creativity because I know that um that's something in your own podcast that you you love to ask people too but I I find it fascinating because so many people out there don't feel they are creative because they they don't feel they can paint or draw or any of those conventions that, that are associated with creativity. Whereas for me, it's a lot broader than that. So what, what what's your definition of creativity? And how do you sort of explain it to other people? Thank you. You know,
0: the word creativity, I think it's used a lot. So here now it's become more of a word that's recognized. Um, and it's funny in naming my company, I am creative. Uh, it's just so creativity to me to me means um, life. life. And it boils down to me also to expression. So life is how you express. And it really is in all of the moments of life. You choose what clothes you're putting on your body. You choose how that's a form of expression. You choose how you do your hair. You choose the words that are coming out of your mouth and who you interact with. All of this I see is like literally sculpting and shaping words conversations I see as sculptures um, how you um, just ha- that's that goes to how you present. when I talk to people in because just what you said, there's the societal understanding of relating it to drawing or painting. So when we say our niceties of what we do and um, people immediately there's a body language that goes up they're like I can't draw or paint. So then when I say, well what do you what do you do? And they're like, well, I'm in business. I'm like, oh my god, do you realize how creative you are? Your imagination, you've created something in sales. Like, you create these interactions. You create you, if you're doing it right, you can read people and understand like body language and when to pause and how to engage with people. And these are all interpersonal skills. So mm-hmm. with all of that, this is all a creativity because you're taking something that didn't, didn't exist and you're forming something. So just like those little things of pointing out people are like, Oh, I've never thought of it that way. And then they stand up straighter yeah. and then they see more, um, um, value in what they do because everybody wants to be valued and yeah. and yeah and this word when people I think so many people um and it starts young where these labels happen and I can say well and as we know they we put people in boxes so oh well even when people when teachers would bring kids down to my class and we'd be waiting in line before we went inside and One particular time, this teacher brought down a drawing that a kid did and said, oh, Mrs. Citron, I need to show you, like, look at what the artist of the class did. And in my head, I'm like, no, don't do that. Like they're in third grade, even if they were in high school, like don't do that. Because, yes, give the kid props. That's amazing for what they did. And I want to be able to comment on it and see it and acknowledge it and talk to them about it but by announcing that to the class with that label that means that nobody else in the class is the artist.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And um yeah, we it starts young. It does start young. It does. And I you know it's it's something that I I kind of I had certainly in primary school where in in sort of up to I don't know what the grades are here but up to sort of age 10-11 and then when i swapped over to the senior school the the big school where it was all about maths and english and and all of those things there didn't seem to be the room for the creativity and actually i didn't know where to i didn't know where to put myself i didn't know i went they did art but they didn't do there was no drama there was an after school drama class which i couldn't go to because i lived miles away from my school um so there was no kind of creative outlet and that was really I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have a sense of belonging because when I was at primary school, I had, and maybe that does come back. To, perhaps I was labelled the artist or the creative or the actor or whatever. Um, but I don't know. That kind of gave me a sense of belonging somehow that I lost when I moved up to the to the big school, um, and it was something that I that then again got completely bashed out of me by my careers teacher, who when I told her I wanted to be an actor, kind of went. Pfft. You know, really, <laughs> and so I ended up going to art school, which was, you know, I suppose was was better than nothing. Uh, but I should have gone to drama school at that age. That's that I should have been encouraged to, but I wasn't. I was discouraged completely, and I didn't come back until I did. I went off to art school. I got into fashion and designed and stuff. Hated it. Which should never have done it, and then ended up coming back to drama when I was nearly thirty. So I'd missed all of those years of doing what I loved doing, and right. now. And coming into the business world, um, and going into networking spaces with other business people, and talking to them about what I did in the early days when I was uh, Atticus Arts, which was sort of the creative branch of, of what I do now, um, they didn't know what I could see that body language, that kind of oh, okay, well I'm not creative, so I can't talk to you. I mean, and they, it was like I felt like they did, they didn't know where to put me, which is why I started my my creative conversations podcast because I wanted to talk to people and and get them to understand that actually we are all creative it's innate it's you know as you say it's life it is absolutely I love that so tell me then where did that how did that start for you in those early years you know going back to you as a little girl how did how did that kind of manifest in in your in your life back then
0: It's interesting. And thank you for pointing out. And I guess I just kind of want to reiterate, I don't, it's not a bad thing to tell somebody to give them a label of artist, because just like you said, it gives you a sense of being like you can fit in. Often when we are this way, we're kind of like, who are we? We're different than other people. And so I just want people to understand, yes, give people that kind of, uh, that kind of understanding of themselves what I was just saying is that when you announce it and say, well, this is the class artist, then it just kind of shuts other people down.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Agree with that. Yeah. So
0: that's kind of where I was going with that. So as a kid, I was very shy and I shy to the point of like, I had friends and everything, but I would turn so purple. (laughs) If you looked at me and it wasn't a pretty shade of purple, it was like hy purple where I wanted to hide. And Um, It kept me small for a really long time. So in saying all of that, I, I did visual arts, but it wasn't like a main thing that I did. But I was always different. It's kind of like I saw things in a different way, would take a longer time to process information. And, um, but I did find that the visual arts for me was a way of expression. Um, that felt good to me. Um, I did end up going to art school, didn't know that was going to happen. And it's interesting kind of along the way, often in my life, it's kind of, I wasn't a kid that was like, well, when I grow up, I'm going to do this, this, and this. My parents were very supportive of me in general. But when I ended up going to art school again, like I just said, and then with the publishing house, I wasn't expecting it, but it felt natural. So I ended up studying ceramics and the three-dimensional world, seeing things in three dimension makes sense to me. It's, it's something because drawing and painting, um, I can kind of do, but I can, I see things in the round so much, so much better. So, um, and when I chose to go to art school, my guidance counselor said, well, if you don't have good enough grades, you're not going to get in. I'm like, yeah, you're good. <laughs> well that was a good pet talk. <laughs> and but I am the kind of person where you tell me I can't do something and that's going to, I can be quiet, but I'm going to kind of get in. So I did. Um, So, yeah. And then it's kind of evolved as a, it's, I ended up teaching, which I didn't know that was going to happen. My mom was a teacher of 33 years. Um, But in order to get like this residency, that I wanted to get. They said, well, which was a, uh, for ceramics, where you got to have a space and create work and have shows. They said, well, you have to teach with that. I'm like, really? I ha- I'm i going to teach adults? Like I'm 22 years old. W- what are they going to learn from me? And that's when the light bulb went on. And I realized, oh, they're kids, but adults, because they're beginners in this. So they're actually looking to me. It's this whole perception of self, right? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: They're looking to me as the expert because I went to school for it. it. Didn't matter what my age was. And then, then I was like, oh, that was really empowering. And then it just kind of
1: snowballed from there. Yeah. So how how was it with your um with your parents and the creativity? You say your mom was a teacher. Were they very supportive in in what you were? Yes.
0: Yeah. 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 Gratefully, they were. My parents were very supportive. My mom, I mean, talk about creative like through what she did in the classroom was just she was way ahead of her time. She would have kids. She was an English teacher. Um, She went between English and math. But in the middle school, which she loved that age, and she would teach them. Excuse me, like about Romeo and Juliet. She would have them read the screenplay. She would have them write their own screenplays. She would have them act it out. And then she would take them to a rehearsal down in Philadelphia to actually see them do it. Like she would take them through the whole process. So she was so out of the box. My father was so he it's funny. He was a banker and insurance man. And then he had his midlife crisis and he became a photographer yeah. and um he made it his until he uh, unfortunately passed like 20 years ago um but he was very he did art shows and sold his um his photographs to a lot of hospitals and offices and so gratefully in all of that i had parents that got me yeah and um and yeah. supported me so and to this day my mom is is my biggest cheerleader, so very yeah. grateful.
1: Yeah, same here, same here, both my parents actually. And yeah, I think I think we are the lucky ones because so many people in those early years, and it can be teachers, it can be parents that just don't have that sort of supportive, the support of, of allowing a child just to be yeah. rather than trying to sort of squash them into a box. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you're aware of um, Sir Ken Robinson uh, yeah. English, English professor, unfortunately passed a couple of years ago now. But he's done. I mean, I am a, obviously you can tell a TED talk. Uh, I do love a TED talk, but he did one on how schools kill creativity. And I would urge you, anybody out there listening, watch that TED talk because it's. I mean, apart from anything else, it is absolutely hilarious. He is the as as a public speaking coach, he is the master of just talking being engaging being informative and it's just the best talk about creativity and how how we don't we don't value it as a society as much as as much as we should and certainly over here i don't know what it's like in the states but over here it seems to be um slowly slowly eroding from our curriculum over here and uh, it right. means you know so many people even when it comes down to communication with what I do and hands up to your mum. I mean I, English is, is my one of my loves too um, to take to take people through that process of reading, writing, and then analyzing and then you know seeing it out there being acted. I think it's just just showing young people the the importance and the magic of words. And creativity in in that way
0: yes it's just all about like the word expansion is just it's all yeah. about expansion because you see all of these moving parts nothing exists just in itself it's all of these parts these little pieces that come together in order to create something and um then it has the chance to be like, okay, this is what it's meant to be. It stays as this, it stays as a writing, or then it turns into a play. And then once it turns into a play, you know, what does that look like? Then there's so many offshoots of that with costume design and stage design yeah. and like, and you know, besides just the actual writing, then it's the, how do you speak the words and how you use your, the intonation of your voice and, And all of that uh, and body language, like you showed Mm -hmm. in the beginning, it's so true. It's like, are you going to have your shoulders up just by doing this and this just completely convey two totally different things just by like two simple little
1: Yeah. We're not ending here, just taking a quick break to remind you that you are listening to Power to Speak, the podcast. And we'll be right back after we hear from our friend, fellow podcaster and teller of tantalising tales from the Storytelling with Puck podcast, Stefano Capacchione. The story I'll, I'll read for you. The once with three little girls. This is a dream that I think really shows how we view transformation. Dreams, emotions, empathy, connection, stories. Storytelling with Puck. Find your next tantalizing tale on your favorite podcast platform or at puckcreations.com forward slash storytelling with puck podcast. I mean, I just, I love as well in, in that, example of the collaboration that comes with with anything i mean i i can remember having parents come up to me when i was teaching acting to children many many years ago and uh, sort of saying well can you can you get little johnny an agent you know he needs to be an actor and all that sort of stuff and it's like well i could ask for you but actually that's not what i do in my classes my classes are about ex- you know giving giving kids the opportunity to, to express themselves and to work as part of a team you know, to actually collaborate and become part of something larger than themselves. So it's not about the individual actor and, and you know, the talents, but it's about, it's about actually bringing people together to create something that is entertaining for the audience. You know, it's not about them. It's about the people that they're actually, at the end of the day, which is what I do now. You know, yes. I, 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 I craft people's talks with them and I get their, I find their stories. A bit, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a, a story doula myself sometimes, is, is finding those stories that they then that sort of relates to their audience. But it's about the audience. It's not about them. Mm. Yeah, so tell, let's move on then to the whole kind of the, the story and the book publishing side of what you do. So where do you start with that? Because you've done um, sort of the multi-author books, yeah. which is something, I mean, I've read a couple of, um, of books that are written in that way but w- what's the idea behind a, a multi-author book and what what have you done to help people birth those stories? Yeah, thank you. So
0: the multi-author is basically so on my end as being the publisher I, I come up with the title um, which is the topic and then gather people into the space and with that it's obviously people resonate to that topic and what's so beautiful to me about this space is it's so much to me about community. Like you're saying, it's like, it's, it's about community. It's about this tribe of finding people who, who get you, you fit into this space and people get to participate on many different levels. Some people are just like Hollis. I just want to be able to share my story and be able to have the space to do that. And I take care of the editing, formatting, cover design. Number one, Amazon set. Like I take care of all that. And they just want that aspect. Whereas other people come in and they're just like, they need some more handholding. And um, they're like, oh, God, I've really been wanting to talk about this. Not sure how. Dah, dah, dah. So I offer, you know, coaching within the space and all this in order to help them be able to get it from their head onto a piece of paper and then in the process have this community around them where we have um, set up workshop times for them to brainstorm together in order for to show different techniques in order to enhance their writing um, in order to have people come in and teach them more things a lot of people are entrepreneurs it doesn't mean that you have have to be that it could be anybody who just has a story to share but it's bringing in people from the outside also to help nurture and grow people as individuals. So um, when they come in, people choose how many, um, there's different levels. So it could be a thousand words, it could be 3000 words. And then we just kind of, you know, gauge it around what a person needs, but kind of just getting to the whole concept of the multi-author, what I love about it is, is that it's, and you see a lot more of them lately, it just has all these different perspectives in one space on a topic. Yeah. And I just think that's, I think that's incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah. And so the, the people that are coming to you, do they, are they drawn to the topic? Are they drawn to the title? Um, Are they people that have, uh, uh, is it fictional or uh, is it um, sort of autobiographical? It's autobiographical. Um, So here's a quick
0: example. So, in my first one, creativity is whatever you want it to be. Here we are, expansion, expanding the definition of creativity. So, one of my people was talking about her expansion of self, and she kind of went from this very serious um, adulting person in her bubble. Um, manager didn't realize all this stuff was she didn't realize that there was any issues going on until she had a major, major health scare. And then within the health scare where she almost died, then she kind of had this rebirth. So she talked about this whole process and how she defines it. But I think what's so beautiful to me in this is that when there's a round of edits and the edits came back to her and she said to me, Hollis is is it okay if I leave all of the mistakes there? And I said, yes, I love that. She said, because those grammatical errors and punctuation errors, she said, I'm lucky to be alive. So those actually help to show who I am. And I'm like, That is so freaking powerful. She did like a, a little disclaimer that said, "If you don't like punctuation and grammatical errors, then skip over my chapter."
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that's a difficult one, is it? As long as you've got the disclaimer in there, otherwise, people are looking at it going, "Well, that doesn't that doesn't read quite quite right." But no, I love that as well because those those are what makes what makes us
0: yeah, who, I mean, who her, we
1: are. Absolutely. Her eyes were
0: filling up with blood when she was driving. She she all of a sudden she couldn't see. And she thought she just needed glasses. So she was on the L.A. freeway and she was going to push through. But she's like, no, this is getting really bad. And then she ended up going home. She went to the eye doctor and the eye doctor looked at her son and said, take her to the emergency room. Her eyes are it's blood. She she has a tumor. I don't know what's going on. You need to get her there
1: immediately. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And it's you know there, there's we all have these stories. I I write quite a lot on on this because I went through breast cancer when I was 28, which was obviously very, very young to have breast cancer, and it did it, it changed my life completely. You know I wouldn't be the person I am today, thankfully still here, um, if it, if it, I hadn't had that experience. And so that's one of the reasons that I love finding those stories in people because I know, for a long time, it it. Uh, I want to say I, I wasn't embarrassed by it but I almost felt like a, a victim somehow that I was a failure that it had happened to me and actually I I spent a lot a, a few years just kind of trying to not really particularly tell anybody that I'd been through that whereas now I know it's part of my experience it's part of of what's made me who I am and yeah. I really encourage people when they're when they're putting these talks together presentations what are those stories they don't necessarily have to tell people but actually when they get them out of their head and put them on a piece of paper and I was talking to another uh, a guy about for, for a podcast who deals with language that's his thing he coaches people he coaches people how to coach people actually but it's a lot of what he does is around language and and it is that kind of uh, the language that we use on ourselves that really sort of keeps us very small. And once you get those stories out of your head, he said, we're story hoarders, and actually we keep them all in our head and so that there is no beginning, middle and end. So they just keep going round and round and round. And actually when you get them out of your head and onto a piece Mm -hmm. of paper, you can see them in black and white. They've got a a beginning, a middle and an end, and -hmm. they're kind of not dealt with, but you can then start picking them apart know you can start then kind of going well that's the reason i do this now and that's the reason i i am passionate about this you know and you can find those in your own stories so yeah it's a big a big part of what i do as well so i love that i love the, the you know just giving people the opportunity to write those stories down
0: it's and thank you for saying all that you said and when people are vulnerable and are willing to share. Like you said, there's so many, there's, there's shame, there's guilt, there's embarrassment. There's like all these lower level feelings that we often feel around circumstances. Well, I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't, whatever it is. So we keep it inside, but there is a part of us that's really dying to share it. And we know everybody that we're not the only ones going through this, Or it's like maybe you don't know, but when you open yourself to realize you are not the only one, it is your story and nobody can see it in the same way that you do because they don't have your lens. They don't have your experiences. They don't have all of that, you know, but there are similarities in things. And that's where when people get to the point of being like, I want to share this. I can't tell you how many people who within this process have said, I didn't realize I didn't know it was going to be about this. I didn't. I just thought I was going to write a chapter, but in writing the chapter, you learn so much more about yourself. You realize you kind of forget about things because when you're kind of sharing and creating the beginning, middle and end, in a sense of the story, maybe not of everything, it's a, to be continued, but there's so much meatiness and you're like, Oh, I forgot about that. Mm. Oh, I forgot about, Oh, real. Oh, wow. And you realize kind of what you've done or what you and you're like i'm kind of a badass like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm just like wow okay and then when people and then then again to me community is so important it really is about the networking aspect and that and the having making new connections making new friends and, um, within business within, Oh, come onto my podcast, let's collaborate on something like it's, it's more than just the writing of your chapter. It's, it's bigger. And, um, then when the, then when the book is published and it goes out, I love hearing from people saying, somebody just reached out to me and saying, and I'm not going to say that every time somebody is going to reach out to you, but I do know that your story will have an effect on somebody, I know mm. more than one person, um, and they'll be like, wow, yeah,
1: yeah, it's powerful, you, it is powerful, and like you said earlier, you know, we, everybody wants to be valued, we all want a validation, and this is what I say to people a lot of the time, you know, we, you kind of live with your own stories forever, because they're yours, and you don't, you don't see the value in them, but when you share them, when you've, you know, can actually, when you're brave enough to put them out there, then you, you quite often will validate somebody else. You know, you will give them validation. You will, you know, you will make them realise that actually what they've been through makes them a badass. You know, it's 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 a it's a knock on effect. You know, you're not and I say this you're not sharing those stories because quite often I'll come to have people come to me and say well why would I you know, why would anybody want to know that why would I want to share that you know it's they don't want to be that vulnerable but actually when people are talking to me and saying why would I want to share it's you're not you don't want you're not there to elicit sympathy you don't you're not there telling your story for people to go oh poor you what a shame haven't you been through right. an awful time right but you're finding those stories that actually you learned from. They've, they've, you've learned them from them. Therefore, other people will learn from them. So you're only telling those stories that are of benefit to your audience. Again, it comes back to the audience. It's not about you. So it's finding those stories that are really going to resonate with other people.
0: So in my second one, uh, multi-author, Invisible No More, Stepping Into the Spotlight, one of my um, contributors that's just popping into my head right now as you're saying that she ended up writing her solo book after this, Trust her Own Voice. But her main starter story of it all is she was in the boardroom. She was an executive and she was told to be quiet often. And how many people everybody can relate to whether you're in a boardroom or outside of a room where you're literally shushed. And you are completely disregarded. And even if you said something, it's like, no. But then somebody else says something in exactly, basically the same words. And people are, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. So her take on invisible no more was she put up with that for a period of time until she finally, actually, literally, her supervisor pulled her aside and gave her a strong talking to in the sense of, you can't put up with this anymore. Like, why did you back down? Why did you allow that in a sense? And that was kind of like an, op- an eye opener journey of why did I allow that? So, um, yeah. So, from yeah. not being seen to being seen, it's, it's, yeah. So, th- this is also what she does. She goes around and she does public speaking, talking about trust your own voice, specifically yeah. to women men can be there too because men are in this also but her audience really is for women to be able to understand that your voice is important.
1: Yeah I mean that is absolutely but you've just reminded me of a story you told me the last time we met about a a young child in one of your classes that was that was shut down. Do you mind telling that story?
0: (sighs) It's amazing how you can love a person who you don't even remember their name. So Okay. Hopefully I don't cry on this. Sometimes no, I do. No.
1: when you told me, you made me cry.
0: <laughs> okay. So I lived in New York and was doing a residency and um, a residency, meaning I go into the schools a certain amount of days for a certain amount of time. So this one particular and do art lessons. Um, so this art lesson in particular was about ripping paper. And this classroom was a kindergarten class, and it was a uh, inclusion class, meaning a special ed teacher and a general ed teacher. So I was in my twenties, went into the class, would do an intro, a hands on, and then a closing, and uh, where kids got to share. So we were at the sharing time. We we're about to cl- we cleaned up. We we're at the sharing time. And three kids got to share. And this one child raised his hand and I knew his, a little bit of his backstory. He was a selective mute. So he had never spoken in class. So here's this five or six year old, five, six year old, and he'd never spoken in class and his hand went up. So here I am in the middle of the class on the rug. I'm having a frigging party in my head. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Well, One of the teachers is a screamer. So can you guess everybody what happened? (laughs) All of a sudden, I hear as I'm about to call on him and I don't remember his name. This was like 25 years ago. um, I hear you want to talk. You want to talk. You never want to talk. Fine. Talk. (laughs) in my head, I am saying every expletive I could and talk about like this little boy, like talk about body language. Like we talked about, like all of a sudden it was just like, he just curved in and his head went down. I'm just like, oh my God, oh my God. Okay. This isn't my classroom. What do I do? Blah, blah, blah. So I went over and I stood next to him and I took his artwork and I said, who would like to tell you know so and so what they like about his work. Little kids were raising their hand. I like da da, da 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 da. I was just gathering my stuff to go to my next class and I bent down and I said to him, Sweetie, what did you want to say? And he whispered in my ear, I like the color blue.
1: Oh <laughs> that's yeah this it's it's an incredible story for on so many levels because, you know, the, like we were talking about earlier, it, it, it's it's such a vulnerable time at that age, you know, and yeah. adults have so much responsibility. And they don't, you know, I posted about my what my careers officer teacher had said to me about uh, acting, and I was 16, and how much that crushed me. But you can imagine when you're that age, to be shut down like that when you've it ta- has taken so much courage just to put your hand up in the first place. You know we just need to be so aware. So I shared that post, and uh, a former a former teacher commented on it and just agreed that at that age, teachers have so much responsibility and they really need to be aware of what they're saying and what they're passing on. You know yeah. because. You can probably guarantee that that teacher probably was taught uh, taught that way when they were at school. And it's a cycle that goes on and on, and we just need to to break it and just and be a little kinder. We do. And I, I think
0: – and there's the vulnerability of the tears on my end, but I, I think that um, the understanding in that for me is that you really – that this little boy who I don't remember his name is a very big reason of why I do what I do. Besides the fact that my brother's special needs and he can't talk. And it's kind of like, I mean, that's obviously have fun, have a field day with that, everybody. Like, that's not easy to, <laughs> that's an easy one. But then when you enter these situations, like you're saying, like in the classroom, these things, they do matter and understanding. And as teachers, everybody, believe me in teaching, I get it. We don't have our beautiful, we, we don't have beautiful moments all the time. At times we slip and we say things, but in this case, it was very intentional. And in knowing your audience, these kids, we were in a very rough area. So kids come with, with baggage and there's obviously a reason I, I knew the little bit I knew he had a story behind him and he never spoke in class like there's there's a reason for all of that. So I think it just can kind of translate into any scenario that you're in and knowing your audience, really understanding how to speak to a person and to create those safe spaces for people to feel um expressive I still I hope that this boy is okay like I hope he's alive he was in an area that was a very you know I just send I feel for those situations but translating it to to being now it gives me the bigger understanding that everybody deserves to be heard everybody has a voice and even if you don't agree with it for whatever reason it doesn't give you the right to shut them down
1: no absolutely not absolutely not no, thank you for sharing that. I understand that was that was sort of something that's so close yeah. to your heart. But thank you for that. Yeah, yeah. But I suppose it, I suppose it kind of brings us on to this other project you have that is is around parenting. And you know, it. I like to. I have one daughter who's now going on twenty at university, doing creative writing. She's been a creative entity since the since conception. I'm sure. Um, I did my own creative doula when she came out. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, you know she's I've launched her on the world um but as a creative as a creative person myself I never ever wanted her to feel the way that I did that you know I want her to express all of the creativity she has I don't want her to ever feel that she has to be somebody that she's not so how do you how do you have I mean I do I, is it it doesn't come with a handbook what's the title <laughs> i know it was not in the manual so the, wasn't in the manual. In your way so uh, t- tell us a little bit about that
0: okay so everybody you might be like oh my god Hollis, how many things do you do <laughs> <laughs> but it's all strung together again with these same it's these it's these topics that passionate about and need to be put to the forefront so it's just this concept that parenting is, there isn't a manual. Like we, yes, there are baby books and there are teen books and there are all these kind of books, but nothing prepares you for when you're sitting on the couch or when your child calls you and says, I just got offered this position and I'm not exactly sure what to do. And you know, my life could go this way or that way. Like, what do I do? And there's nothing you can look up for that. It's, and it goes back to that concept of it's the art of parenting your own way. Like we, what I have found is that admitting I don't know and having real conversations and communication, I have found that when you communicate with your kids at very young ages, it's very helpful. Have there been a lot of stumbles along the way? Yes. My daughter and I would like butt heads over like I was stressed out at work, too. Like when I look back, I realize how stressed I was in other scenarios. So I brought that home and I'm bringing that home. I was fighting with her about wearing a hat in the wintertime. And it turned into like a knockdown, like in the sense of like in her slamming doors and a three hour thing. And if any parent can relate to that, I'm thinking looking back on it, I'm like, what the heck? Why was that such a big thing? It's because Mm -hmm. other things were out of balance. So this is creating an online space. It's starting right now. We're having panel discussions in a podcast form. It's funny. It's sarcastic. It's serious. It's bringing up topics in order to start conversations for people to come in and like serious topics of, you know, um, how to allow your child to be who they really are instead of making them who you want them to be. Mm -hmm two, everybody drops their kids. Like as babies, generally, everybody has dropped their child. It doesn't make you a bad parent. It doesn't make you, you know, in these senses of obviously it's a mistake. And, um, but people don't talk about that stuff because they think, oh my God, I'm such a bad parent. And then it affects me. So yeah, that's kind of the idea.
1: Yeah, no, that's that sounds great. I think it's I think it's really well needed. I remember when my daughter was about four, when well, she started school, actually, and we'd get up in the morning, and I'd be rushing round. and I'm I'm quite a passive kind of, you know, I don't get riled up that easily. But just trying to get her out of the door in the morning, you know, and trying to do her hair and get a uniform on, and you know, get get your teeth brushed and all of this sort of stuff. And one point, my after a couple of months, I would suppose my my husband just said to me, "Well, why are you?" Why are you getting so angsty about getting her up and getting her out in the morning? You know, just chill. She's, he said, "I remember you telling me that your mum used to be like this with you, and you hated no. it. Yeah. And it just for that moment, I thought, oh my God, that's it. I am I'm doing exactly what my mother did to me every morning. And from that moment on, I never I never did it again. It was like, no, we'll be, just be chilled. If you you know, if you go out with one shoe on, so be it. You know, it was just." <laughs> It was just, you know, it, and it just, it changed that whole kind of dynamic. I wasn't fighting anymore. And then when she got to teenage years, I remember talking to um, uh, a friend that had, who's had daughters that were slightly older. And she, she just told me, pick your battles. And that's all she said. She just said, pick your battles. And I thought, no, that's right, actually. I don't have to fight about everything. Some things I can just let go. You know, some things aren't that important. And so that that's, you know... That's my little bit of advice there for, <laughs> for all parents of teenagers.
0: Yes, it's the freedom in that. And it's funny, at one point, you know, we raise our kids to be independent thinkers. And at one point, my son was saying something and I was just kind of like, who are you? I said, who raised you? How could you actually think that? And he looked at me and he said, did you ever think that it actually has absolutely nothing to do with you? And I looked at him and I said, "No, this everything to do with me." <laughs> I said, "We made you. I birthed you. We raised you. We did all of this." And then he, his timing was—it's always he's—he's he's very good at timing. He just kind of paused and said, "Didn't you raise me to like think my own thoughts and like think my own?" I'm like, "Damn it!
1: <laughs> it's <laughs> <That's> your fault." <laughs>
0: That's when it like bites you in the butt, and you're like, "Yeah, that, like we do. We're not always gonna. They're their own person." Yeah, and yeah, it's these moments when I find that my kids are so much smarter than me, mm. and they taught me so much. Yeah, so much along the way. Yeah, um,
1: yeah, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. I can remember again a friend who had children a long time before me um saying in the early days that that we never we don't own them. You know, as, as soon as they are born, they are their own person. We are only we're only looking after them, basically, and so we have we have that responsibility. But
0: yeah, so true. Yeah, actually, my son also reminded me. I said, so they say that you pick your parents. Um, I said, so thanks for picking us. And he said, well, nobody else wanted you guys. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> he said, so I was like, fine, I'll take them.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like being put picked for the football team. You get less laugh. It's like, all right, I'll have them. <laughs> Fine.
0: Okay, put me in there.
1: Brilliant. Oh, fabulous. We've come, we've nearly done an hour here at Hollis. It's been a fabulous conversation. I've loved it. Absolutely loved it. So I'm just gonna very quickly show people here because you have uh this is your creative conversations podbean. So who do you talk talk to for your podcast?
0: I talk to everybody. Um, because, like you, the whole idea is expanding this definition of creativity beyond drawing and painting. So, I talk to people in all areas, and it's structured around three questions. And from what I remember, our questions are pretty similar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life, and why do you think it's important?
1: Yes, yeah, mine, my, mine was was very similar. And uh, how to use it for your work and well being was the one that I loved. But bizarrely, as well, my Attica's Arts was Attica's Arts creative conversations as well so, <laughs> so, so yeah we've definitely gone gone down the, the same route but I love this photo of you I'm going to have to show this if you are listening to the audio you'll have to check out on YouTube there's this fabulous photograph of Hollis covered in in paint So, <laughs> what did you do there did you, did you literally just paint yourself?
0: I did um, when my web designer create, put this image of this woman who has paint all over her face as the main image. For so long, I was like, "Well, that should be me. Why should I have a stranger with that?" So it took a little bit, but it's face paint, and I had my daughter face paint me, and then um, take a bunch of pictures, and it was really fun.
1: Yeah, it looks great. I love that. Thank Brilliant. you. And this is your your website, which is I am Creative Philly. Is that Philly as in Philadelphia? It is. That's where I'm from. Yeah. And that's, that's the website. Beautifully, beautiful colors. Love, love a bit of color.
0: Thank
1: you. Thank you. Was there anywhere else, you know, that people can come and find you or or anything you'd like to tell the audience before we, before we sign off?
0: I think that's really pretty much that's, has it covered really well. It wasn't in the manual is on the I am creative um, website. And also the publishing house, which my publishing house is called Express Yourself Publishing. That's all on the website too, so you can kind of find everything. Mm, your podcast through. is there. Everything is in
1: one space, if, so you uh-huh. don't have to jump from place to place. Fabulous, and and I'll put all of those links in all of these show notes too. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been wonderful. We could have talked all day. We should oh, just, just let the recording run, and we'll just. <laughs> next next time on i'm on your side of the atlantic i'll you know we'll put our feet up have a cup of coffee and just record it
0: oh my gosh (laughs) i cannot wait i cannot wait thank you so much for having me in the space this was great
1: you are more than welcome i would say goodbye enjoy the rest of your day
0: okay bye everybody bye
1: thank you so much for listening if you like what you heard then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on and if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. And remember, check out some tantalising tales and magical moments from Storytelling with Puck. Find them where you find your favourite podcasts or head over to puckcreations.com forward slash podcast. Bye for now.